Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. In this episode, we talk to historical martial arts instructor, ex-army captain, and British HEMA institution, Sue Kirk. We explore the origins of the UK HEMA scene and Sue's passions for small sword and close quarter unarmed fighting. This was recorded on Instagram Live, 26th of May, 2020. Um, so I've, I've got like a little speech here for you, Sue, because you're one of oh. my... Okay. Um, so to me, Sue, you're, you're basically an institution of, of British HEMO because you've always been part of the scene and you've always been, uh, you've been both like a, a big community builder that brings people together, but you're also an excellent teacher um, with, a he- with a very great breadth of knowledge. Um, for those watching who, who may not know you, like I know you, you know, they might be very new to HEMO. Uh, can you just... Um, Tell us about yourself, how you got into HEMA, etc. Gosh, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm wheeling back to prehistoric days. <laughs> <laughs> or the Wild West of HEMA world. The Wild West, well, it's still a Wild yeah. West. Yeah, going over the prairie and, and establishing villages, you know, yeah. some you know, climbing, mining claims, you know, um, for various treatises. Um, yeah, so it was about back in 2000. Uh, I uh, had uh, just uh, was leaving the army and, and had spent sort of time around the world, um, but had always had an interest in uh, sword fighting. So I'd spent time as a, a sport fencer competing in my teens and early 20s, training the team at Sandhurst when I went to, to Sandhurst for my um, army officer training and things. And um, when I when I left the military, uh, I was in West Yorkshire and uh, a friend who does reenactment said, oh, there's this group starting up in Leeds uh, with this chap called Mark Donnelly, um, played with swords and stuff. You might like it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I went along and that was the Society for the Study of Swordsmanship. Uh, Mark Donnelly um, was a great uh, Barnum character. Yeah, in- charismatic. Yeah, yeah, very charismatic. And he got um, about six or seven different groups going across the north of England um, and really kept it going for quite a number of years. Um, and he got me uh, involved in that. And, you know, one of those things where you suddenly you click with a passion. And uh, I spent the first five or six years doing rapier and offhand and all the rest of those sort of things. Um, taking the opportunity to go to whatever events were going on, which were few and far between at that point yeah. in, in HEMA this circles. Thousands, sort of early to mid 2000s. Yeah, yeah early, early 2000 onwards, um, where I still remember one event at Whitby with the British Federation for Historical Swordplay, um, where we had about 40 people there. And um, instead of having representatives of groups sit around a table for a meeting, the entire 40 people sat around a table. And that was pretty much everybody doing HEMA in the UK wow. at that point. <laughs> yeah. so it's like, okay. yeah, so, so it was really good fun. Um, 
doing that and uh, I, I learned a lot I, it was quite interesting getting out and seeing various things and seeing the evolution of um the the art forms in different ways tournament scenes uh and also things like the the discovery of various treatises and the translation of all of those um all the way through so i got i, I yeah i really got involved in in hema for a bit of fun and then it became a passion and then it became a life <laughs> it's a lifestyle it's a life choice isn't it uh yeah there's there's quite a difference between those things really whether you dabble or as it just takes over uh, yeah, everything. yeah so i was yeah so i was running around doing a lot of things like that and then it got to about five or six years mark headed back to the states and by that point quite a few of us were looking around and seeing various groups um really starting to knuckle into some of the treatise work in specific ways we were a bit more sort of across the top of, of yeah. things um so it was an opportunity for those of us that are, were, were regarded as sort of hot senior su students to go off and start looking at the specific treatises uh, looking at uh, instructing and and you know sort of being set free to go and do our own things in in many ways so like become um, students again kind of thing yeah yeah and and find our own groups and find our own feet and quite a few of the people that were around at that time are still involved in HEMA in one way or another mm. which I think is a fantastic sort of legacy from from Mark we've kind of moved on and grown beyond you know yeah. as part of that it's probably got it probably grew a lot more than anyone ever anticipated and lasted a lot longer I should think I, I think so yeah I, we were also at the start of things so Mark also was the first person to um to think of running swash as an event I'm actually wearing my swash t-shirt oh, oh. <laughs> that's, that's an antique <laughs> it is it is a bit like me it's Vintage. the one I designed <laughs> so, so I've got all of that um but he set up this event that that ran it was almost the opposite to, to fight camp. So it was fight camp and, and, and swash <laughs> you know, through the year. And it ran at the Royal Armouries in Leeds. Uh, had about 150 people at it. Big black tie dinner party in the war galleries on the Saturday night. And um, I remember that, those parties. Yeah, and tournaments. <laughs> and lectures and handling sessions around the armories and things like that and he ran it for a couple of years and then um i found myself becoming the president of the british federation for historical swordplay <laughs> quite an accolade I, I don't quite know how i didn't back off quick enough i don't think <laughs> <laughs> is it another one of those someone's got to do it and it's got to be you kind of thing or no one else will do it or it, yeah, it, it felt a little bit like that. I mean, it, it was a classic moment in in you know HEMA history in many ways. Yeah, that there was a there was a parting of of ideas, ideologies, and ways of people wanting to do various things. Um, that they uh, the the British Fed, a lot of the people split off and started doing their own thing, um, mm -hmm. because they wanted to do it in different ways uh, than than the the Fed That's were. Kind originally. of like the natural evolution of, of groups. Yeah. So group they yeah. grow band people have different ideas and they split off from one another yeah. they go and propagate those ideas elsewhere yeah, yeah. but I've always been for, for me so stepping in the in the breach you know I, I kept swash going for several years I, I got the the fed up and running um, and start... I'll be right back oh <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> 
but that was good. I can tell everybody else though. Um, got the got the fed up and running, and uh, I'll talk just to you back later in an hour. <laughs> Sorry about that. So you you were right, Fred. We, we, where we left off was you you were a running swash for the last few years of its existence keep yeah it. keep it keeping it going and and you know sort of making it, it work as a venture and it and it did and it was it served a, a different purpose to fight camp but mm. um had a bit of a different audience with an overlap there um mm. but i think you could almost see at that point fight camp and and uh swash and other events were finding a pattern and a way of working that you still see today in the way that lots of events are now working. Um, yep. So the need for marshals, the organising committees, the the structure of sessions, tournaments as part of that. You know, you can see how that has grown and, and worked over the years. Yeah. <laughs> You're all right there. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> window because people are yelling outside and it's distracting me. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, but the other thing that I, I always thought was um, some of the, the central organisation committees of, of whatever, you know, be it stamp collecting or whatever, you get to a natural evolution where they all go, I want to do this and I want to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, and I thought, well, that's fine. But if you're the head of a, a supposedly national organisation, what you need to do is step back from that and go, there's space for everybody. Yeah. You know, there's there is absolutely a space for those who want to study the treatise to the nth degree and translate things and get the academic element of HEMA out there. Mm. There is space for those who want to do tournaments and get the, those accolades and medals and, um, and fun that you can get from tournaments as well. And then there's space for those who want to study the art and get the techniques right, but aren't necessarily driven by uh, a tournament environment, uh, because sometimes there is a crossover, but there's yeah. also some space between the two as well. Absolutely. So a lot of my, my time as, as um, president, I was probably trying to steer the helm in a very open way. <laughs> and, and please all these different camps as well, I should imagine. Lots of egos, as you can yeah. imagine, in HEMA, ego yeah. wins. <laughs> Um, so you briefly mentioned that you were in the army. Um, yes. So you, 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 you're known to some of us as Captain Kirk because that was your I, that was your rank. Um, um, rank. So it, it still is technically because you, I can still call myself Captain Kirk. The title. Um, as a title, if I yeah. wish to. Uh, if I'm in you mixed think, company, I.e. Um, serving and and retired, I would call myself Captain Kirk. Retired. I'd Captain Kirk. <laughs> Do you think that your time that you spent serving uh, gave you some insights uh, that helped you both uh, with the sort of martial aspects of of the fighting arts of, of yeah. HEMA and in the sort of all of those organisational roles in which you found yourself? Do you think that gave you uh, an edge? I d do you know, I think it did, um, because in many ways, if you if you take the fighting angle of it, um, you train to prepare to do mm -hmm. in, in the military yeah training is training that you then put into practice or hopefully never put into practice but you've yeah. always got to be good so that that element of putting the time in to get the right output um is definitely there in, in sort of HEMA uh, world and knowing your stuff um but also I think as a as an officer in the the military they pick you for your potential to be a leader 
um, right. and to, to go in. Uh, it was an organisation that was, for me, uh, it was quite interesting to be in the military, particularly in the 90s, which I, I went and served in Northern Ireland and abroad and lived in Edinburgh Castle and, you know, all sorts of places like that. Um, it was, there was only ever going to be 8% females in the British military. So you were, you were a novelty on many yeah. camps. Uh, so some of the, the things that I had to contend with of being a female in a position of authority over soldiers who were like, I'm not going to salute you. Well, I think you are because you're saluting the queen um, <laughs> or you'll be off my course. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's things that you, you had to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and so, I suppose coming out into a HEMA space, um, I didn't, I didn't think that I was going to be in charge. I just ended up. Being in charge. <laughs> that, those famous words I've heard so many times. <laughs> um, and and I, I always remember somebody coming up to me years after Swash and stuff had finished and went, Do you know what? The first time I saw you at Swash, I thought you were, I thought you were really bossy. And I was like, no, I was organising. I was organising. <laughs> I was the boss. <laughs> I was being the boss. <laughs> um, and, and it was one of those things where uh, just dealing with that angle of, of uh, you know, running stuff and being an instructor and at the front of a class, I, I didn't it didn't even occur to me for many years that I shouldn't be, no. <laughs> which I think is a very different, very different, uh, a different experience than many women coming into HEMA have. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I was just like, oh, people, people didn't think they could step forward and do this. I was just like, well, I'm just, I'm just going to do this. I yeah. just, crack on and you can listen or not, you know. <laughs> No, no one had told you that you shouldn't. So why would you think otherwise? You know exactly. But they, I have reflected over the years that there's other things that my upbringing and background um, still has impacted on me on, on things like um, I watched many of my HEMA peers going off and teaching internationally and at events and things like that. And so I was I was teaching at local things. Yeah. I was being invited to some of the events across the UK and getting known. And usually if I got a foot in the door, I was always like invited back again, which has yeah. been really nice. But I wasn't getting abroad. And I was like, well, why? Or, or some of the big events like well, uh, instructing at bike camp. And... And uh, it took, I was, um, I was doing some training with the uh, Scholar Gauditoria group, uh, SG5, uh, at wrestling, <laughs> actually, because oh. Friday night was a cat at wrestling. Woking. At Woking, yeah. And I was training there. And I, and I talked to, to Lucy Easton um, one day and said, you know, I really love to, to instruct at fight camp. Um, but I can't understand, you know, that, well, I don't know why I've not been invited, you know, I've been around a bit, you know, it's like 15 years and several years as an instructor under my belt, you know, 10 years yeah. or so. And she went, well, you've just got to email me and say that you, yeah. you're interested. That's what happens. Like, what? What, what do you mean I've got to email? And I, I was really taken aback because I was like, I was waiting to be asked. Um, yes. How I was thing brought up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, a friend of mine who organises uh, writers' conferences and events, she said, for years we struggled to try and get gender parity on the panels. It was always more men and, like, you'd have a token woman. 
And, uh, and I said, why is that? She said, it's simple. It's really simple. Men will put themselves forward. They'll write to you and they'll say, I've written a book. Put me on your panel. Or I've been studying longsword for a year. Give me a class. Yeah, yeah. And the women wait to be asked because you don't want to be rude and impose upon people. So she said, yeah. just, just, it doesn't hurt to just contact someone and say, do you know what? I really love this event and I think I'd like to teach uh, such and such at it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is really common. I've heard it in lots of spheres that, that that's what happens. Girls, women wait to be asked because they don't want to be rude. Yeah, but but it, it just, in some ways, I surprised myself in the fact that I'd re reacted in that way as well. Um, and, and she just asked, send an email in. I was like, oh, okay, I'll send an email in. And I was, for that year, God, that's about seven or eight years ago now, um, I was the only female instructor in amongst 40 sessions. Yeah. Um, and then it's grown lots since then, which has been fantastic. Um, and uh, I owe it to you and to Anouk being my pimps round Europe. <laughs> Your pimp. <laughs> Title. My female <laughs> pimp. <laughs> for, for recommending me across a, a wider audience. Um, because again, I've not gone out and asked, yeah. but I've been to Swiss Blades, I've been to Felnagashka twice now, um, I've been to Utrecht, you know, Anouk's uh, classes out there and she wanted me at Swoosh, you know, so I was due to go there. I've I always assumed you yeah. this because I'd always <laughs> assumed that you'd done all these things because of uh you you know how long you've been doing HEMA I just assumed that you'd like been uh you know on the teaching circuits and stuff I didn't realize how local uh you'd you'd been with your teaching so um it was like yeah let's break out the Sue Kirk we've got to get her out to places kind of thing you know <laughs> yeah so it's been it's been brilliant to to go and spread my wings a bit further at different events uh, and get out there um I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed that as a as a thing, um, but it was just if if anybody takes anything away from this, you know, male, female, whatever, put yourself forward if you feel that you have something yeah. you can contribute. Asked, you know, yeah, guys, you please want to don't. Teach a class, write to an organizer, write to a club, uh, write sorry, write to an event organizer and say, can I can I teach this thing? A lot of um, the USA start, uh, events now, I've noticed, they've started putting out a, a form to people saying, if you want to teach at our event, please fill in this form, rather than just hand-picking people, which is uh, yeah. something that continuously, well, used to happen anyway, seemed to be like you'd, you'd see the same sets of instructors going to the same events each year. And that yeah. may be because it's the same people putting themselves forward each time, but... Um, yeah. Sometimes you need to kick up the bum. You need someone to sort of give you a push through the door, as it were. Um, and sometimes, you know, you just need to sort of take it upon yourself to, you know, have the guts to, to, to just ask. It doesn't hurt to ask, does it? Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is. You yeah. know, uh, a lot of the things that I have gained an interest in over the years are not traditionally, you know, sweet easy um uh, weapons that i can i can have a go at <laughs> i don't know whether you you want to do a, a rundown of the sort of things that i do but i am going on to that um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh 
So um, uh, that was actually my my next question. Like um, you, like I say, you've got a great breadth of things that you've done, thanks to um, you know, you said age. Well, <laughs> I, I, the the position that you found yourself like you were one of the forty people in the scene when it sort of started in the early two thousands. Yeah. And one of the chief organisers. So you got to see everything that was going on. You li you could literally see it happening. Yeah. Um, and and take part in those classes when those when those clubs sort of started up. But your trademarks, uh, I know you like a lot of things, but unarmed and close quarter fighting are your, your yeah. absolute favourite. More all the better. Someone with a big shit-eating grin. Watch Sue Kirk... <laughs> chucking someone over her shoulder or choking them out it's there's nothing quite it's just pure joy <laughs> so I, know? I wanted to learn that to know obviously i think i've probably given away what it is that appeals to you about it but what is it what's why are those things in particular okay so on the on the the, the slightly more unarmed side uh, <laughs> i suppose there's a few things that that are in the mix there so just tell us what uh, sort of you do and that you teach yeah, so if I, if I do the gamut of things, I'm quite well known for small sword um, around the years, and I, I've taught for many years at the um, the uh, small sword symposium in Edinburgh, and around the scene, I've been trying to spread the word over the last few years uh, around how good small sword actually is, and that it's not Olympic fencing. No. Uh, it's slightly different. There's there's a, a, a style and a way of working that is very different. I know this because I've done Olympic fencing as well. Mm -hmm. um, and there's there's great stuff to both things. But it's not the, oh, it's a little needle and it's a, a, a weak and puny weapon. Actually, it's a kill. Nope. It's you a know. horrible spike that you stick through people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite <laughs> evil, quite mean. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, why I, that's why I kind of like small sword. And... Um, and a lot of it is very technical. Yeah. So you can teach small sword technically in a day or two days, uh, but to get it right is a lifetime. Mm -hmm. uh, as in many uh, martial arts, uh, you, things that you, you do, but, but small sword can be relatively simple in, in initial principles, um, but very difficult to do because it's so quick and mean mm. uh, process. And I've also done things like convert people who were big burly boxers into small sword because it's so up close and personal and so direct. There's so many similarities between punching and boxing and small sword um, that I've found over the years. So I've converted a few people that way. <laughs> One of the first uh, events um, I went to, I don't know if you were there, it was organised by um, James. Um... Oh, Mar no. <laughs> James. Marwood, no. yeah, James Marwood. He he and Matt Easton organised an event called Fight Like Fig, <laughs> and it was uh, it was one of the first little Hema events I went to, and it was it was small sword, um, I think it was small sword saber and pugilism, yeah, and perfect. Or, it was small it was small sword pugilism and, and possibly grappling, like catch wrestling or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was it's those, it's interesting how those things are linked together, and it makes sense, like you're saying, a boxer would find small sword appealing because it's it's quick, it's it, direct, yeah. you're on the body, your your point attacks and deflections, all of those principles kind of tie over to each other. Um, so small sword is one of the key things that I've done, and I've tried to get around the world, you know, doing a bit of small sword stuff uh, for everybody. Saber is another passion that I have, but it's a little bit more of a darker secret. <laughs> Because I also find it, not Spadroon Anouk, by the way, if you're on. Um, 
um, but but I I found I like Saber because again it's quite quick and it and it's direct and I I love the energy that you get through that type of weapon. Yeah. Um, and I was at the international I was teaching at the International Saber Symposium a couple of years ago, uh, which was fantastic to do and, and to be invited there. Um, but that's a, a, a bit of a sideline in, in some ways. But then you get on to the, the grapply stuff in, in many ways. <laughs> um, and I, I suppose it was there was a gaggle of us that used to do a, an event called the, the Noble Science. And the idea behind that, that it was all the unarmed HEMA stuff uh, that you could go to. Um, and it was only ever, you know, sort of 20, 25 people tops uh, at this event, held at the same place that Fight Camp's held at mm-hmm. uh, every year. But I, I just, I found a gang of people that were mean, yeah. exactly like me, and it was great. Um, but there I got introduced to Bartitsu, so James Marwood running a, a Bartitsu uh, event. I also got introduced to pugilism, I got introduced to catch wrestling, um, and it just played to a lot of my interests around body mechanics, um, how to get one over you know they, they talk about it being sort of like chess yeah uh, wrestling because you've got one end that's going and then suddenly you found your legs locked somewhere else you know and you really have to pay attention to what your body's doing and the nuances of weight shift um really come to play and levers and so on um that i i really enjoyed that that uh, activity um and i know like grappling stuff isn't for everybody in the HEMA world, but it, it was it was something that I, I like getting close. That's probably why I quite like Fiore. If you're looking at long sword, yeah, just get the swords out of the way, get in there and get the swords. <laughs> get the elbow, take them down, uh, have a lot of fun on that. Um, <laughs> so so I so I, I picked up Bartitsu, which is um, Victorian self defence using umbrellas, walking sticks. Anything. Got a little group. To costume demonstrations of that um Jen Garside obviously yeah, was it was key as part of that as well um and that and some of those events that we do outside of HEMA world um presenting actual technique but in costume at events still goes on we still get invited mm-hmm. today and from there it evolved to suffragitsu which Jen has really taken a run with um fantastic yeah she's done so much research on it it's brilliant um and then I found I edged a little bit further and went into World War II combatives and um, how to take down your German sentries with real Germans at fight camp, usually. Um, <laughs> that, that, that moment when I took down Pedrag um, and, and said for him the war was over, um, everybody was rather shocked <laughs> at first and then burst out into laughter. Yes. <laughs> Last year, I got volunteered several Germans uh, to do to do my World War Two combative session, uh, which was bad fun. Bad fun. Um, I even had a German treatise to play with there, as well as Fairburn Sykes and, and the like. Um, but I just love it because it's it's evil, it's mean, it's taking people down in in no mess. Yeah. You've got to be direct. Um, and I've also taught, you know, off the back of the Bartitsu and the Combatifs and the Noble Science stuff, I've been teaching uh, pugilism. So I know you were at Fail Nagashka. Um, so I was teaching pugilism there. You were teaching um, at the same time. 
take each other's classes, unfortunately. No, <laughs> <laughs> Um, and and so it, it kind of you can see how one kind of works with the other as you go through those. There's a lot of interests there. Um, I am not one of those people who 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 is like I am that, and I'm going to look into the nth degree. I'm a bit bit more of a ooh ooh that looks shiny over there. I'm going to play with that for a bit, but but they link. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very much. A, um a believer in trying everything that is on offer you know it's the kind of like the bruce lee philosophy of try everything keep what works you know because it does you know one art will inform your thoughts about something that you've already studied once you when you come back to it it's always useful yeah and, and it's, so it's really fascinating seeing Something I've noticed is that um, people people who start uh, he might have to start with the weapons, but of course the books don't the, the systems like Fiore as you mentioned they don't teach it necessarily in that order, and I think for most of us we probably started yeah. with because that's what drew us in and that sells Hema to people. Do you want to play with swords? This sword. Do you want to? <laughs> yeah, and then wrestling and Hema and pugilism and all the rest. And wrestling and pugilism and all this down the line. Do you think it's? Do you think it's worth um, clubs investing in grapples and uh, the unarmed stuff uh, early on in classes with beginners? Right. So my answer to that is people, as you've just said, people do want to come and play with swords. That that is the the uh, raison d'etre to coming and joining a HEMA group quite often. Um, big draw yeah and, and it doesn't matter what it is you know and they'll, yeah. they'll, it's quite interesting seeing new starters having more of an idea over what sword form that they want to play with now and, and system whereas in the past it was like uh, I want to play with the sword but I don't know what that looks like you know um, but I do think there is something around yeah. uh, understanding of Don't know because I don't know what's. I'm losing you. Sorry, you've come. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can hear you now. Um, yeah, so, but I, I, I really think that there is a place okay. for. Yes, it, it cut can out. You hear me? You were saying. <laughs> um, I, I yes. just, I, I think there's definitely a place for learning grappling because of understanding where your body is and how it moves and weight distribution and levers, but also um, as, a, as a safety precaution in many ways, because if you're going to go and be in a tournament, sometimes you do get into a grappling situation. Sometimes you are going to trip over and there's going to be difficulty. So if you know how to fall, and how to you know, untangle yourself from a pretzel situation, um, or as uh, you, I, I think that understanding of some basic manipulation of grappling would be really helpful mm. for everybody. So, for people who want to start off with grappling, so that's the thing they want to start off with, or yeah. the, the instructors in these clubs out there who want to start to teach grappling to their students, yeah. what would be your what would be your advice? 
Is there are any things to be wary of? Uh, yes, you can break each other really quickly mm. <laughs> in in a, a grappling situation because it doesn't take much to to overextend uh, an arm or an appendage in a way that can do a lot of um, damage yeah. to somebody. So you have to be incredibly careful when you're teaching it or, or doing it that you work with your partner and talk about what dodgy bit you've got like everybody's got a dodgy shoulder or a dodgy foot or a knee that's yeah. not working um what your capability your physical capability is we also don't really look at when we're sword fighting uh, weight differentials and height differentials um, and you can still grapple multiple heights and weights and things you just have to be aware that you know the, the 20 stone chap landing on a 10 stone chap is going to probably do a bit more damage you know than you yeah. really expect you just got to be a bit careful there um the second bit is you start with something like uh, understanding tapping out stop now <laughs> um and uh how to fall yeah how if you go do else, how to fall fundamental so i start with falling and uh good communication and then get up a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> and just keep falling over and keep getting up it's a good um, workout <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned small sword i'm just going to come back to it briefly um yeah it's no, it's, it's no longer kind of the the hated figure of of uh the hema community that it used, it used to be really sort of ridiculed and and i just didn't understand why um but thanks to the spadroon everyone's sort of focused on that now but even then the, the sort of attitude to the spadroon is softening but nevertheless it's... um sell small sword to us so tell it tell us why um it's it's a good thing to train for anyone Okay, it's the Ferrari of swords. Sleek lines, quick, mean, can break a lot. Cause a lot of damage. <laughs> yeah, um, I just think it's the um, the technical intricacies of what you need to do with it uh, is <laughs> fascinating um, and you really got a sense of, of some basic fundamentals that you can uh, adapt and use in other weapon sources. So many of the saber treatises say start with small sword or foil first, yeah, and then move on from that. Because from that right. you get stance, you get movement, you get understanding of distance, you get an understanding of sort of tempo of the fight, yeah. um, targeting, uh, blade control. Because you have to be so minute with your blade control and your point control. Because like that is off you know yeah. it's far less forgiving let's just see so i've let's just see even at home got questions for sue hema bisha oh dear definitely <laughs> uh yay small sword all about sword it's a thug's prison shank to be worn with tight trousers and a bad attitude says thierry he's <laughs> <laughs> um, good it's <laughs> <laughs> i'm with thierry um anyone at home got any questions for sue oh joe's just joined us another he another small sword enthusiast yeah 
Um, Thierry says, I didn't know you were the rapier. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so we haven't got any questions yet. I'll just wait for a few more people to join because people are joining. You mentioned body mechanics is, is an important thing. Can you yeah. mention any sources or resources, so sources uh, or modern books that are a good place to read up about body mechanics? Okay, so what I would say is um, go and find anything you can around, um, well, if you want old sources, go and look at Fiore, because a lot of Brizare is covering you know, body mechanics and, and uh, levers and moves and throws, and mm -hmm. so you get some stuff there. Um, uh, anything around uh, wrestling of whatever types will look at upper body movement, lower body movement, levers, you know, um, I, I'm particularly interested in catch wrestling, which is evil, even more evil than most evil wrestling is, um, uh, or, or even modern Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So if you wanted, to, I, I spent a couple of years in, a few years in London, and whilst I was down there, I was training at um, a Gracie Barra um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu club, uh, and that was fantastic because um, not only had you the body mechanics, you were also in a pajama suit, a G, a, a <laughs> yeah. G as well. Um, so that damn thing. I, I always wanted to do no gi. You know, it's much better. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was uh, anything like that really gives you an understanding of just the minutest difference in positioning um, adds levels of pain to your opponent. <laughs> <laughs> positioning and pain. What it comes down to. Um, have we got here? Someone said, uh, Kelly says, what's your favourite? Uh, do you know, my old favourite is actually Angelo. Um, and I also like, yeah, Angelo and Girard. Um, I mean, I, I, I picked it, I've got my Girard here. Uh, and by the way, if your treatises aren't as tattered and used <laughs> as this, it means you've not been going back to it often enough. <laughs> Generally. You're just playing. Um, really, really. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you need to take everybody out and you need to take your, uh, any student that you've got to go back to the text, go back to the text, show them how to play with it uh, and interpret and, and do what they need to do. But, but Gerard, definitely I love it. He's, there's some things in it that you're like, you've missed an entire thing that the other person should have done. You know, it, it's definitely written by a human being who, yeah. or uh, somebody who's trying to capture something, but in words you don't get everything uh, down yeah. there so you, to play over a couple of different treatises with similarities I think really helps that understanding as oh, well others gaps kind of thing yeah I also like the Girard one because Phil Crawley um, translated it um, and I spent a fantastic day with him in the Glasgow archives where we went and we got permission to take out and play with all small swords and weigh them and measure them. And he's got a great table at the back of his book that's taken our day and, and just sort of plotted. So there's no such thing as a standard small sword, for example. Um, he's also credited me at the front, which was like, I'm in a book. Yeah. 
Uh, Thierry says, uh, regarding small sword, what order of precedence would you suggest for your favourite three manuals and methods? So, what order should uh, a small sword enthusiast read the books in? And uh, which ones? Sorry. Oh, it depends. Oh, you, I hate these sort of answers in some ways. It depends what you want to get out of it because small sword, like most other HEMA weapons, covers such a long period of time that you have like transitional activity at either end so you mm. have the coming out of the heavy rapier into a lighter weapon um mm. and sort of leon curl leaping all over the place with elongated lunges everywhere yeah. <laughs> and frankly my knees won't do that anymore no, <laughs> at those pictures to be fair and you're like how, how are they getting back off the floor you know from from doing that um so that's one end of the spectrum and then the other end it, it's easing into foil and epee and modern sport fencing and you've got all those rules and regulations starting to be put into place around um rights of way which equally mm -hmm. are fascinating and, and are, are fun to do because it's still classical fencing it's not quite sport fencing at that stage um but it's a very different weapon and a very different style of working yeah um and it depends how 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 brutish you feel as well so the, the, the there are some, some some classic small sword treatises like mcbain who was a thug oh, yeah <laughs> these talks everyone's sort of there's a lot of mcbain boys and fangirls lurking in the shadows i think yeah, um, and actually, if you go into for, for very different reasons, um, Angelo, I think, has fantastic, straightforward instructions that you can understand in English. Mm -hmm. Perfect entry book. Yeah. The, the images are really quite clear. There are a few errors, but they were captured by the Martinez um, when they were writing it at the back of the of the most common treatise that you, you see translated uh, sort of um published um girard is quite straightforward but sometimes the images and the uh terminology is a little bit like what what exactly who you described there yeah. um but again tying the two over um but i suppose mac bain is a fantastic read yeah <laughs> it, it's an epic book very rock and roll um, yeah very rock and roll yeah yeah and for a small sword you're like how did this happen? How did you get <laughs> some of those things? Yeah, running a brothel and all sorts of stuff like that as well. Alongside it, that's not really supposed to happen in the British Army, I have to say. Um, but uh, you, <laughs> you also have things like uh, hope and how he changed to his new method. And, mm. and I, oh God, I've got to say it. It works sometimes, but don't tell anybody I said that. <laughs> um, question here from Joe. Uh, on the on the treatises, do you think different works are better or worse fits for people coming from different starting points, e.g. wrestling, sports fencing, or no martial arts experience? Oh, oh, that's tricky. It depends what they want to get out of it, really. So, you know, small sword is just one uh, weapon. People might find an... What I found doing, um, doing HEMA was I found a local group that, that got the passion going. Uh, and did whatever they ran you know and I think whatever you can do to get into HEMA that's a starting point you know yeah. it could be doing great people could be doing longsword doesn't matter get yourself going because from there you get lots of your basic principles you know your timing distance etc 
usually through a curriculum you get exposure to events if you're interested in going abroad and therefore exposure exposure to different weapons and you will find your fit some people like two-handed weapons some people like sword and buckler some people like sax you know it, some people like pole things you know it just all grappling you will find space that you inhabit in hema yeah. There's a natural niche for everyone in HEMA, like Absolutely. you said. I think I've got the philosophy yeah. about it, you know, it, it is for everybody and it's not about, you know, you're doing it wrong or this is the right way to do it or it should be done like this because everybody's got different ideas about what they want to get out of it. So, you know. And you are allowed to change. Yeah. You know, that, that's the other side. If I, I said to you right off the start, I did five or six years of rapier. Yeah, that, that's quite often, that's more time than most people have spent in Heba. You know? yeah. Um, yeah, both you and Amelia have surprised me, actually, uh, with your beginnings, like finding out that Amelia came from a German longsword background, uh, finding out that you spent <laughs> your first six years studying rapier. I'm like... Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> unbelievable so yeah like you say it is long you know and people do change your interests change have you ever had a break in your career have you ever sort of not done it for a couple of years and then come back or has it always been uh running along part of your activity yeah i i suppose it's always been there because it's been quite a big part of my social circle as well so yeah i live alone now i was married I, i live alone now i get out uh and my friends are all people that I go and beat up on a regular basis so, <laughs> so it, it, it just happens to mesh I think it's a, it's a rare occasion when I actually go to visit somebody we're not at a HEMA event yeah. <laughs> you know? those, are, those are strange when you like find that you're not talking about swords all the time yeah, it's like what are you talking about you know who are you, <laughs> I don't, you don't, rec- don't recognize you with clothes on you know <laughs> Uh, Thierry says, channel your inner McBain, people. Don't do small sword unless you're hungover. Mm. <laughs> yes, but you've got to do it elegantly and lethally with the minimum of fuss. Yeah. Because that means that you're doing all the right things technically. and You've not broken sweat and you've not ruined your attire. Sprezzatura. <laughs> um, any more questions for Sue? I don't know what the, what the time is because my thing doesn't show me a... Uh, oh, one thing I was going to ask. Okay, we've got a bit of time left. So you're a bit of a yeah. baker. What's your favourite thing, ah. thing to bake? Right. Okay. So um, I love Yorkshire tea loaf. So oh. that's um, you know a, you're a proper. A hmm? You're a Yorkshire lass. Well, I'm not really. Keep saying you are. No. <laughs> are you not? That's all that's cool. I live here now. Um okay. but no, I was born in Scotland. I'm actually <laughs> northwest from Glasgow I was born. <laughs> oh god. So when do you like Most of my and spent most of my schooling in, in Lancashire. Yeah. <laughs> and then disappeared. <laughs> 
with you know, university and, and the army and the like. Okay. So Yorkshire tea loaf is your Yorkshire is your tea loaf. Okay. Yeah, or I do a good uh, coffee and walnut actually. Oh, yeah. Something yeah. with a cup of tea. Yeah, good. A cup anyway. Oh. Mm. <laughs> um. Joe says small sword also has to look like you're that good without trying. Yeah, sprezzatura. Um, Thierry says, as a huge fan of all Georgian martial arts, I dabble and cross methods. I constantly suggest mixed weapon pairings. Would you like to see mixed Georgian weapons more often, given a safe environment? Okay, we've done it. We've done it in the past. <laughs> but we've more often, do you think it happened? Well, tell us about it first of all, and then. Yeah, so um, we used to do uh, tournament events where we allowed the, the mixture of sabre and small sword. Uh, although we did try and make it the lighter end of the sabre rather than the really meaty stuff that would kill everybody else's small yeah. swords uh, with one hit. Um, but what we were finding was um, it was interesting watching the technique differences between the two because most of the treatises either one way or the other talks about handling so say the treatises talk about handling small sworders small sworders talk about handling um saber or indeed two-handed weapons or flail if you're looking at some of the girard you know yeah uh, um but i i think i think it's quite tricky trying to get the weight and mix of kit correct so if you think most small sworders probably have much lighter kit than most um most sabreurs would um and they don't often possess the the, the extra kit or are used to using it and they would have to if we did mixed uh, tournaments like that um and on the other side heavier um padded jackets quite often when you're playing small sword people don't realize they've been hit <laughs> because they're so padded now right. unless you get really good blow to the face or, or, or the, the chest in there mm. um, uh, and it takes the uh, tournament judge uh, a lot of effort to make sure that they're controlling the fight and making sure that uh, hits are declared and worked out how solidly they got penetration into the other person and the like so yes you can do it you just have to be a little careful um, I'm not sure what the draw would be unless you were doing it as a, a specialist sort of one-off rather than a, a, an ongoing tournament with, you know, um, uh, listings of uh, seniority or you know, achievement. I had this discussion uh, on, when was it? I think it was on Sunday, uh, Hema in Pyjamas Admins. We throw a party every week for the top contributor of, of the week. And yeah. our guest on Sunday was, was uh, he calls himself Unga Bunga because uh, he doesn't want to give out, out his real name online but he's in California and we were talking about because I didn't realize that in California they have lots there's a big tournament scene there they like all the clubs mm. in California get together a lot uh, and they 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 each each of the clubs will host a, a leg of a league and you have like a bunch of people from one club coming to sort of dojo style on another club and then the third club will be the the, the staff yeah. or whatever uh, will be the judges, which I think is a really cool setup. Um, and he was talking about mixed weapons, and asked, he was asking us what we think about um, mixed weapon tournaments. And um, as you know, by the sword, we have a mixed weapon tournament, but it's always matched mm. pairs: rapier versus rapier, longsword versus longsword, etc. I've got nothing against 
uh, tournaments. There's one at Fight Camp called the Eggleton Cup, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think I've, I, it's a knockout. It's a straight knockout tournament. I've, I've only got one fight, and that's it. Um, I think those tournaments are fun, but I think, to me, they, they limit what you can do because if you're say a sword and buckler is going up against a long sworder, it limits the number of things that are going to work and the same for the long sworder. they've got to be aware of the other person's buckler and how they're going to deal with that they're going to have to deal with the fact that the person with the shorter sword is going to have to close on them so it Quickly. kind of moves <laughs> up the game and it limits whereas if you've got matched weapons there are more things that you can do you've got a greater repertoire to call to draw upon um it's, I think fun is, is the word. Those things are always a fun thing, but I wouldn't sort of yeah. I'm push them as a serious thing. Yeah, I mean, just, just on, on reflection, there's one other thing that I was thinking about with the uh, sabre versus a small sword. Um, with small sword, use of your offhand, you know, oh. to, to bat away is acceptable. With a sabre, you really don't want to be waving your left hand around. No. <laughs> In the I mix steak because if, if i've got a, a rapier or a small sword i've always got the grabby hand, the hand no grab no grabby push 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 pushy <laughs> hand you know fl flick it out of the way whatever or or just drop it on the sword whatever but it get, yeah you don't want to do that near a saber that's, 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 that's yeah. a bad idea, bad idea. Um, so, yeah i i think you're right over the um the the you don't really get to play to your strengths of that particular system or weapon no um so small sword versus saber a lot of the techniques are pull it back and hold it by your, your your hip a bit more so it's out the way and you use your distance management until and the wearing out of your opponent when they're at the full extent of their uh, their cut to be able to get past that and in and and it's it's finding your your moment but you're out of measure whereas if there's two matched small sworders some of the techniques are the sentiment de faire you know finding where it is on the blade utilizing that that moment of of going oh i've pushed you that way now i'm going to get past and get in yeah. um which is it's, it's lovely to watch when it's done really nicely <laughs> very satisfying uh we've got some yeah. questions popping up down here we're very close to the end uh Comox Valley Combat Guild, I did a rapier tournament wearing a hoodie. You could feel the hits. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't yeah. recommend that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Thierry said, I was just imagining a Hunger Games sort of scenario with uh, eight, circa 1,800 weapons. Yeah, that sounds fun. So all the weapons piled up on the floor. You rush in, you grab what you want. So if you're going to do that, you use your... your um your military tactics head, which says you watch everybody else go and fight each other, and then you yeah. pick off the remaining few, utilising <laughs> any weapons that you can pick up en route. <laughs> I am a weapon as well. You don't I, need... <laughs> you, you are a weapon. Yeah. Uh, he says, I've only been fencing for four years. It hasn't popped up as hasn't popped up as often as I'd like to see, but I most likely need to get out and see more. But I... To be fair, I think the thing you were describing, Sue, probably happened quite a few years ago, did it not? It did, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, was a few, it was a few years. And th th this, again, is what I was saying over a lot of people have done three or four years, maybe, of, of HEMA or less. Um, mm. So, you know, <laughs> going back to me being a dinosaur again, going back to 2000, <laughs> it's, it's like, what? <laughs> Stone Age? <laughs> Things have 
changed so much though haven't they i think not not just in terms of um you know the people like we've got a lot more people now people are studying things in more depth as you say um the way things have you know things have evolved in terms of how events are organized and how many events they are they've just exploded um yeah and specialized and, as and well specialized, yeah so it used to be like swash and fight camp they were very different from one another but they both had yeah. to cater to everybody yeah. And now we've got all these like individual events which will cater to whatever it is that you're into and stuff. Um, the other things that have changed over time that I, that, that sort of struck me is is um, is the kids the equipment. Yeah. Uh, oh God! I still remember the weighted shin eye. <laughs> oh God! Everyone has nightmares about weighted shin eye. Yeah, my first introduction to Colin Fieldhouse was visiting his uh, his group. Uh, and I got I got a, a good solid hit in the face with a shin eye, <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, we need to do something about that." <laughs> We've got one minutes left. Um, has anyone else got a quick question left for Sue? Because I'm going to have to let it run the clock run down so that it'll save. One other thing that I'd say over my um, uh, experience to, to date, I, in my early years, did ballet uh, for many oh, yeah. and and uh, did a lot of music and other bits and pieces like that. But ballet and dance, I've always found such a crossover with um, the body mechanics and the activity that you do in HEMA. So if anybody gets a chance to go and look at that, please do, because it's also do something that would be Don't fun. give a sword to a man who can't dance. Isn't, isn't that what... Um, That's the one. Confucius said. Yeah. Uh, last last question. You got uh, less than fifty seconds. Your proudest accomplishment, Sue. In obviously. I I actually got I got sent my small sword tournament silver medal from uh, twenty twelve this year. <laughs> <laughs> what event was that? That that was the um the the uh, small sword symposium. But back in twenty twelve. Uh, Jen Garside and I managed to get our way to the finals and I we remember. were fencing neck and neck. You know, I got one hit, she got one hit, I got one hit, she got one hit. And it got down to the final hit and she broke a sword on me in the end. Well, actually, I was going in to pummel her, but, you know, that's another story. Um, and uh, so she got the gold and I got the silver. But it got to this year before Ian sent us the medals. Brilliant. Well done, Sue. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Go to at Swordwomen on Instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit bythesword.net for information about our event or look for our Facebook page, By the Sword.